Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing European high-yield debt. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined today by Olivier Monoyer, Global Head of High Yield. Welcome, Olivier, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me today. Olivier, uh, I guess one of the pleasant surprises over the last year or so has been the performance of high-yield debt. I think it's safe to say globally, or at least in developed markets, that's been the case. You know, perhaps to some degree, a mirror-ish image of the good performance we've had in equities, but I guess maybe thankfully not so concentrated in just one sector tech like we see in equities, but arguably more broad-based. Again, very, very pleasant news. In addition to that happening last year, it seems to be continuing at least for now into 2024. If we think about why that has occurred, very much in contrast to what we all seem to think or thought was going to happen at the beginning of the last year, we didn't get a recession, at least in the U.S., and even in the Eurozone, not that bad. Relative to expectations, arguably a soft landing in the U.S., given that we didn't have a recession. And recently, you could argue it's even a bit better. We've seen improvement in economic growth, even if, say, the PMIs in Europe are below 50, they're beginning better. But at the same time, inflation's still coming down. So not a bad environment at all. Now, if you wanted to look at this perhaps a bit more critically, you might say there seems to be a lot of good news already priced in to high yield, particularly if we look at the spreads, which are low. And that would suggest there's not a lot of cushion there if, if something bad happens, which it often seems to do. But before we go directly into answering some of those questions, why don't you give us an update on what's been happening in European high yield so far in 2024? Well, it's been a little bit more of the same, I would say, in terms of spread direction versus the end of last year. So the market is seeing inflows, investors have cash to deploy, and there is not enough bond to buy. So spreads have been tightening. And that's in the background of the economy, not seeing much signs of stress. So the soft lending argument for the moment is mostly validated even in Europe. The one difference between the end of last year is that central banks have put back on rate cut expectation for 2024. So yields have started to widen after the euphoria of November and December. That is creating a bit of a decorrelation between rates which have widened and spreads that have continued to tighten. So let's see how long that lasts. But the big picture we think for 2024 is that central banks will cut rates and that makes the bond market an attractive place to invest again, but it will also ease the burden on the most indebted companies. And that is seen as positive for high yield, and that can support the asset class this year, we think. The other thing that we are seeing is spread compression between the riskier credit stories and the higher quality ones. And this is the consequence, we think, of valuation in, say, double B or double B plus, so the better rated part of our investment universe, that do not seem to offer much more upside here. It's really just about the carry, unless one thing that rate can continue to rally. And at the lower end of our market, the lower rated part of our market, things are starting to open up for single Bs, and in some cases, triple C, where the M&A market is waking up a bit. So yes, the credit cycle has turned more challenging with rates and inflation, but companies are now turning to their portfolio and see what they can sell at good prices so they can take care of short debt, improve their balance sheets, 
and cash flow metrics. So on, on that basis, we think default rates will remain fairly low this year and we remain a constructive outlook for our asset class in 2024. You've talked about what's happened so far this year. Of course, you're looking both at bonds that have already been issued, that are trading on the market, but then also looking at new issuance, companies coming to market, looking to raise debt via high-yield bonds. How have things changed for companies wanting to raise debt via high-yield bonds recently versus what you saw last year? So surprisingly, the primary market for new issuance has not been as busy as expected in terms of volume and certainly not sufficient to satisfy the demand. So it's been mostly about refinancing for now, so no new bonds, but replacing one bond for another, and mostly also for the better rated part of the market, so call it the double Bs and the double B plus. And yes, there are a lot of expectation that activity will pick up this year and clear the way for the maturity wall, not just for the better quality name, but also for the more leveraged situations. So we worked that Cisius ourselves, trying to position on the 2026 bond maturity, so called bonds, say, with a two year horizon, that we see coming with an early refinancing and where the bonds trade at a significant discount. And those 2026 bonds are interesting because on a yield to final maturity, they may not look so attractive. But on an early refinancing scenario, the return then starts to be quite good, given the discount to par. And some of those new debt transactions are actually happening right now, but not just in the bond market. We are also seeing some bonds being refinanced with transactions from the leveraged loan market, which is, of course, making the supply-demand imbalance in high-yield bonds even more pronounced. So I would say, you know, the market is alive and ready to receive new shares, and investor appetite is certainly much improved versus six months ago. Some issuers are being a little bit cheeky and offer to tender bonds below par, so say 98, for example, when really the expectation from bond holders is that you should get par because that is where those bonds are callable. Think of it this way. It's a bit like you lend me £100 and I come back six months later and repay you only 99 because I say, well, you know what? Rates are higher, so here's less money. You wouldn't like that, would you? But for the most part, we would expect issuers to be good citizens and treat bondholders fairly. Now, the other thing that we're seeing at the moment is quite interesting is the amen and extend transaction, where a company in a, say, in a difficult sector or with a checkered history are exchanging their short-dated low-coupon bonds with longer-term maturities bond, but also a much-improved coupon. And generally speaking, those transactions have been done with attractive terms and been well received by the market. So we will expect to see more of those in, say, the telecom, real estate or chemical sectors. You've talked broadly then about an environment you see generally as supportive, looking for interest rates to fall this year. You mentioned issuance maybe not quite uh, as much as you expected at the beginning of the year. With all of these things going on, what are you and your team doing? We are struggling to find much values in the crossover name, so the highly rated WB and WB+, especially when they come from sectors that we view as a little bit more challenged, like the auto sector, for example. So we have been less active and less excited by the levels in the primary market on the highly rated issuers 
so far this year. And even in the secondary markets so or the market of existing bonds, we think it makes less sense to chase those double uh, B rated companies. But we still like hybrid bonds. So the subordinated bonds with an equity component coming from the non-financial issuers as they give us some premium versus the high double B rated companies. And we don't mind the subordination that comes with these bonds. It's the similar picture for the 81 instruments, so the most subordinated bank bonds, just above the equity in the capital of a bank. Here we think the banks are generally well capitalized and the 81 instrument offer a decent premium for the risk. So we expect to remain active both in hybrid bonds and 81 instruments. And apart from that, there's been a lot of reassessing situation in single B where we have identified a catalyst like an asset sell, or sometimes it's a turnaround story where we expect an improvement in operating performance, or simply something that we have not invested in the past, but where the cash flow performance has actually been better than expected. I would caution though that there are still some situations that look very challenged and out of option, so it's not a time to be complacent either. But generally speaking, we expect default rates to remain low. And we are doing some work and deploying some capital on the real estate sector that could benefit from these expected rate cuts. We're still cautious there as we expect default and downgrade, so we're still up in quality in that sector. But there are some stories that do look quite compelling on valuation that are still very discounted and where we see a path to push up maturities and preserve cash flows. Thanks, Olivier. If I could highlight some of the key points uh, that you made, you started with uh, talking about really what was quite good environment in 2023 and more or less continuing into 2024 so far. Economic growth, not fantastic, but perhaps not uh, as bad as feared. Uh, and more technical factors, supply, demand imbalance between issuers uh, and investors also supporting spreads. So generally, you have a constructive outlook uh, for the year, expecting default rates to remain low and so on. Uh, maybe one difference that we're seeing currently is even though you do anticipate rates falling this year uh, in terms of central bank policy rate cuts, you know, as always, a bit of back and forth between what investors are expecting and, and maybe what the central banks uh, are willing to do or say that they're willing to do. Uh, and then finally, in terms of how you're investing your portfolio currently, uh, you admit in some part of the market. You admit that in some parts of the market, you're struggling to find value. Uh, but for example, uh, you do see opportunities in some parts of the financial sector. Well, Olivier, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me today. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Viewpoint brings commentary and analysis in a variety of formats from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts to help investors make better informed decisions. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Olivier Monoyer. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.